You know, worship is not only reading the Word of God. Worship is not only listening to the Word of God taught and preached. Worship is not only coming before God in humility and brokenness and asking for forgiveness. All of that is part of worship. Humility, the Word of God, responding to the Word of God. But a vital part of worship is prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And we're really in a position of worship, a part of worship. As we talk to the Lord, it's called praying, and allow him to talk to us. And so we're going to pause right now. In this, and we continue to worship God as we pray together. So would you join me as we pray? If you want to come to the altar and join me in praying, if you want to pray right where you are, But let's just lift our hearts to the Lord right now. Why don't you ask the Lord right now what he has to say to you? It's the still, small voice of God. When God speaks, he's gentle. When God speaks... Uh, he is he, not doesn't put pressure or pushy. He's a lamb. A lamb's a gentle little animal, a dove. So when God speaks to you, he speaks firmly, but he speaks lovingly and kindly and gently. But don't, don't misunderstand. He speaks clearly. So ask the Lord what he has to say to you this morning. And just listen for a moment for his voice as to what he might say to you. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. Listen for the voice of Jesus. Father, it's hard in the clutter and the hurriedness of this, of this culture we live in with cell phones to video games to computers to all that's going on. It's hard just to take time and say, Lord, what do you have to say to me? What are you speaking to me? He speaks that you speak through your word, so I've got to read it. You speak through my circumstances, so I've got to be looking for you in my circumstances. Lord, don't let us forget, please, that not only do we speak to you, but you speak to us. In fact, you said the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. So we're like Samuel today, Lord, who said, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Father, we do this morning in the, in, in the humility of our hearts, thank you that you loved us enough to let your son come as a little baby and grow up to be a full-grown man at 30 years of age and then set out and finished his mission. He started it when he was born, but finished his mission when he died on the cross and cried, it is finished. I have accomplished the work you gave me to do. And so the baby became our savior and the baby became our king 
And the baby deserves our surrender and our allegiance. And today we offer that to you, Jesus. We ask you to be our Savior and our King. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here today. We're all different and we all have different needs. But Lord, you know the thing that blesses me? You said the hairs on our head are numbered. You know everything about everybody sitting in this room, even the speaker. And Lord, we ask you just to search us, to know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. Reveal to us exactly where we are spiritually. I pray for every family here, for those who have lost loved ones. Lord, there'll be an empty, empty uh, space at the table. But even more than that, an empty space in their heart. Would you comfort and strengthen and give grace to those who have had loved ones who've gone on to be with you in this past year or in recent years? Lord, it's never easy. So thank you that you comfort us when our loved ones go to be with you. And Lord, others here have heavy burdens about their children and about their own uh, personal lives. Lord Jesus, you love them, and, and, and they need to know you know all about them. And you're just waiting on them to come to you and talk to you about it. And Lord, you'll offer them grace and peace and comfort. And I pray that they will do just that. Lord, I especially want to pray for the Wiggins family. As Jeanette is really at the very point of death, she could even go to be with the Lord during this service. Lord, there's been a hard, hard week for them. And I pray for Terry and Shannon and, and Tara. Lord, 24-7, they've been there by their mother's side and wife's side. Give them grace and peace. And they've released Jeanette to you. And Lord, we just pray that at your perfect timing, she'll go to be with Jesus. Now, Lord, today I thank you for all who've come. And we need a word from you. We don't need a sermon. We need a word from God. And I pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. He has come. by name, oh, tidings 
joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. He has come for us, this Jesus. He's the hope for all mankind. He has come for us, Messiah, born to figured it out. The J, seriously, that's, that stands for Jesus. I, every time I see a candy cane, I'm going to just say, praise Jesus. But, all right, and this is for the shepherd staff, and he's the good shepherd. And he, man, I, that is a, a beautiful thing, and I am so glad that I've learned what it means. There's a poem that has meant so much to me over the years. And if you listen carefully, it'll mean a lot to you. Because it's what Christmas is all about. If I had a title for this message, it would be the good news of Christmas. But I want you to listen to this poem. I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes, all our heartaches, and all of our sin could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door, never to be put on again. You know, that's exactly what Christmas is all about. Jesus began the first time with Adam and Eve, two perfect people in a perfect world, but they had a choice. They could eat of all the trees of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? God says, I will, God was saying, I will show you good and I will show you evil. 
You don't need to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I am your source. But we know the tragedy of the story. The Satan deceived them. And they ate of the tree of, the, of, the, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And sin entered the human race. It's called the fall of man. And sin began with Adam. And it passed down to us. I want you to look at this scripture on the screen. Romans 5, 18 and 19. It says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, Adam, through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in life. Then the 19th verse, it says, don't miss this. You see, God began the first time in Adam, but he messed up, and it's passed down to you and I. For by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners. By one man's obedience, Jesus, many will be made righteous. God began the first time in Adam. No sin nature in a perfect world. But he failed, and the human race is a fallen race, and we're part of that. But Jesus came so that we could begin again, so that we could have a new start. And you know, there is a land called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes and heartaches and sin can be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door, never to be put on again. You know, I love Matthew 1 of the Christmas story. Because Jesus, the, the angel's telling Joseph, we're going to begin again. Adam messed up. But the last Adam was born in a manger. And we're going to begin again. It says in Luke 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth, the Holy Spirit. Now here is why Jesus came. God was starting over. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now here it is. For he will save his people from their sin. Now you say, Brother Fred, why did God give his only begotten son for a sinful fallen world? Why did he do that? Because God loves you. And God loves me. And he gave his only son, Jesus, for this purpose. To save us from our sin. He came on a mission. There are no verses that better describe the good news of Christmas. Uh, the land of beginning again. Than 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Now I want you to just let these words get into your heart. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, look at this. Old things are passed away. He dropped that shabby old coat at the door. 
Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things, thank God, are passed away. And all things are become new. And it goes on. Boy, I love this. This shows you the heart of God. Now, all things are of God. I'm just going to pause there a moment. All things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Wait a minute now. God reconciled you and me to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And verse 19, this is the good news of Christmas. God was in Christ, reconciling the world. That's you and you and you and you and me. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now listen to this. Not imputing their trespasses against them. You know what that means? Not charging their sin to their account. Now hold on, hold on. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself and not charging their sin against them. He charged it to his son when he died on the cross and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The good news of Christmas is that you can begin again. And we all need to. None of us are perfect. And the Bible makes it clear that, that we really, since Adam and Eve sinned, and sin came down through the human race, and we all have sinned, that we need to be reconciled. We need to be reconciled. There's, there's no question about that. And, and, and so I want to talk to you about uh, uh, the need of reconciliation. You know, you, know, you know who needs to be reconciled? People that are estranged. For example, you're married, and you've been married for quite a while or a short time, and you are, have become one. But, you know, we don't always do the right things. And so sometimes a husband will get estranged from his wife. And by the way, he knows it when he's estranged. Do you understand? She doesn't have to say a word. It's just the look on her face. Now don't act pious like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, we, know, we all know what it is to be estranged. But then the, the, the way you deal with estrangement is you, you get reconciled. I'm sorry. I sinned against you. Please forgive me. And the estrangement now has been become reconciled, reconciled when we are asked for forgiveness and are restored. Have you ever been estranged from your parents when you were growing up? <laughs> from your daddy or your mother? I, I never will forget. I, I was in the um, 11th grade. And I said to my parents, I said, I'm going to go up to the Y." For a little while. But you know what? That was a lie. I was not going to the Y. In fact, I got in the car, and I can say this since my wife is not here, with the girl that I was dating at that time. And we drove to Hay Springs, South Carolina, which was about 30 miles to see a basketball game. I said, I'll get back in plenty of time. 
They'll never know I didn't go to the Y. Guess what? We had a wreck on the way back. I was laying on the side of the road unconscious and came to and the, 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 the girl ended up in the hospital and the guy in the back seat did. So guess who we had to call? I had to call my daddy and say, I've been in a wreck and you need to come and pick me up on the side of the road. And you know what? I was estranged from my father. I was estranged, you understand? <laughs> and I was saying, how in the world am I ever going to be reconciled? You, you, you think I wanted to see him? I, you think I wanted to hear him say, well, who, what? you weren't supposed to be on this road. You were supposed to. I, I, I was estranged. But you know, I admitted to him that I was wrong so he would not kill me. I admitted that I was wrong and asked his forgiveness. And I did get disciplined for it. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But you know what? I was so glad that we didn't say estranged. I was so glad that we were able to be reconciled and be one again. That's the beautiful message of Christmas. Jesus came because we were estranged from God. You know what the Bible says? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not some have sinned, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also says over in uh, Romans chapter 3 verse 9, it says uh, there's none righteous. Let me go back and read that first verse. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. We have all previously charged both Jews and Greeks that we're all Wait a minute, that we're all, Jews and Greeks, we're all under sin. And then he goes on in verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They've be together become unprofitable. There's none who does good, no, not one. And then it goes on and says, all we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on us. On him, the iniquity of us all. You know, here's the thing. We all need to be reconciled to God. We all need to be. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled with, to God. Don't forget verse 19. God was in Christ, listen to this, reconciling the world to himself, not charging their sin to their account, but charging it to the account of his son. So I don't have to stand up here this morning and tell you that you need, we all need to be reconciled with God. We need to be reconciled with God when we're saved, when we repent of our sin and receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. But on a daily walk with God, a person cannot lose their salvation, but they can be out of fellowship, just like you, you can be married and you can be estranged, but you're still married. And once you're saved, you're always a child of God if you're truly saved. But you can be out of fellowship. And so this matter of estrangement means that all of us, all of us need to experience on a regular basis reconciliation. Where we are restored to, to uh, salvation or we are restored to fellowship with God. But now let me say this. There was quite a cost for us to be reconciled. 
You know, Jesus came on the mission to save us from our sin. He came to restore us to what God created us to be. But it was a great cost. It says that God was in Christ, verse 19, reconciling the world to himself. Now, I want to show you how he reconciled us. All this is is a scripture. In Colossians chapter 1, this, this is a powerful, uh, powerful verse. A couple of verses here. And I want you to look how he reconciled us to himself. It says, but it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in Jesus. Now get this. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. Stop for a minute. It didn't say that God reconciled us to himself by church membership. It did not say that God reconciled us to himself by good works. It did not say that God reconciled us to himself because we were baptized or did the sacraments or things. And, and certainly you need to be a part of a Bible-believing church. Certainly you need to be baptized if you're saved. So I'm, I'm not saying that that is bad. But that's not what's reconciled us to God. That, resu- that, what, that was the result of us being reconciled to God. By him to reconcile all things to himself. By him where the things on earth, in heaven. Ha- and here it is. Look at this last sentence. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Oh, that was a great cost for us to be reconciled to God. That was a great cost for us not to be estranged. We were reconciled through the blood of his cross. And look at the next verse. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind. Boy, that's a pretty strong statement about what we were before Christ came in. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. And the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. There's one way to be reconciled to God. There's one way to have your fellowship restored to God if you're saved. And that is through the precious blood of Christ. The Bible says, listen to this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, goes on cleansing us from all sin. You know something I need every day is forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Maybe an attitude, maybe a word, maybe a thought, or an act. But I'm so thankful that if we'll just live in the light and say, Lord, that was wrong, that was a sin, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ goes on cleansing us from all sin. The cost of reconciliation was the greatest cost in the world. It cost the Son of God his life. And and in in verse 22 of uh, Colossians 1 verse 22, it says, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So what Jesus did when he came was he fulfilled Matthew 21, 121. He will save his people from their sin. Now, let me just give you one glimpse of how, how God reconciled us to himself. How that you don't work for it, you don't earn it. It is a free gift of God. But I want to show you. Over in John chapter uh, 19, 
There's a great, great passage. Jesus is on the cross right now. He's hanging on the cross. Now, this is the baby that the angels sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is the baby that the shepherds came and worshiped him and worshiped the king. But now he's 33 years of age, worked miracles, taught like no one had ever taught, loved like no one had ever loved, restored like no one had ever restored. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, knowing all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Here he is hanging on the cross. I thirst. So they, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there. They filled it with a sponge, the sour wine, put it on hyssop, which was a little bush, and they put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. You notice Jesus did not say, I am finished. Oh, no, he was just getting started, y'all. What he was saying is, I came to save people from their sin. And now on the cross, I have died for the sins of the whole world. The Bible says, and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And what a price Jesus paid. And he said, it is finished. So therefore, we who are restrained through the death of Christ on the cross, the fact that our sins were placed on him, now we can be reconciled to God. We can be at one with him. Atonement means at one meant. We can be at one with God. Look at Hebrews 10, 11 on the screen. It says, And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever, it is finished, sat down at the right hand of the Father. You don't sit down till you're finished. And so Jesus now said, I have made the perfect sacrifice for sin forever. And down in verse 14 of Hebrews 10, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the last thing I want to talk to you about is not only the need of reconciliation. We all have one thing in common. We all need a Savior. We all need forgiveness. We all need to be a new creation in Christ. We all have, all of us have that in common. You know, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. But, he, but I want you to notice this. Here's the, here, here's the message of Christmas. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, verse, verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But now we come back in verse 17 and make it personal. Now listen to what it says. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is the reality of reconciliation. There's the, there is a need for reconciliation. There is the cost of reconciliation. He died on the cross. But there's the reality of reconciliation. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. 
wow. It's kind of like he had a new beginning. Kind of like uh, he's leaving a lot of things behind. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. And all things are become new. You know, I read that verse. I think about that poem. I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. Where all the mistakes and all our heartaches and all our sins could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door. Never to be put on again. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Now, we're going to leave that, on this, that, that verse on the screen for a while. You know what? If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, I want you to listen to this. The Lord spoke to me this morning strongly about this. There are a lot of people going to be sitting out there that have believed a lie. And let me tell you what the lie is. That you will ne- you, you'll, you'll never be changed. You'll always be the same. That's just your lot in life. You've tried and you've failed. You've made a New Year's resolution, couldn't keep it. And some of you are saying, well, I know I'm not where I ought to be. I know I'm not living the way I ought to live. I know I do not have a personal life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. But the enemy says, well, that won't work for you. That, that won't work for you. Uh-uh, no. You, 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 you'll never change. You're always going to be just like you are. It's in your genes. You inherited from your grandfather, grandmother. Uh, Let me tell you something. I want you to understand one thing. The Bible does not lie. Do you understand that? And it says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. They're not the same. And that's good news for me. You say, Brother Fred, nobody deserves it. No, it's called grace. Everybody deserves judgment, but, but we got, it's called mercy. See, mercy and grace. So I, I want right now for you to settle it. You cannot change yourself. You cannot. You can struggle. You can strive. And you may even make it for two months doing better than you did before. But I want you to understand this clearly. You will never be who God created you to be until Jesus Christ comes into your life and you become a new creation. I could have person after person after person stand up right now and tell you how what they were, a lot worse than you were, but how that Jesus Christ has changed them. And now 10 years later, they're still living a new life. Perfect life, no, but a new life, a new life in Christ. And so I want to tell you, don't believe the lie that you'll always be what you are. I say to you, you cannot change yourself. But Jesus can change you. Now here's the second thing I get this verse. In this verse. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. A new beginning. Get this. Old things are passed away. You know what the hardest thing in the world to do? Is to get over, get over your past. It is so hard to get beyond your past. I was talking to a person the other day. Very sincere, very humble, and very broken. And they said, I can't forgive myself. 
I can't forgive myself. I said, let me ask you something. Have you asked God to forgive you? Yes. And so you wanted Jesus to, 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 to take, wash that sin away? Yes. I said, well, listen, you're not bigger than God. If God can forgive you, certainly by his power, you can forgive yourself. So you know what you have to do if you're going to drop that shabby old coat at the door and never put it on again? Because the devil wants you to put it, keep putting it on. What you have to do, you're going to have to shut the door on your past. You're going to have to shut the door on your past. Once you have received God's forgiveness, and you'll know, you've confessed to God, I agree with you, it is a sin. I, it deserves judgment. But I, I repent. I don't, want, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. Repent means to change your mind. Repent means to go in a new direction. And so once you have acknowledged and confessed that it is a sin and repented and asked God to help you leave it behind, then God has forgiven you. But you know, the enemy tries to keep, get you to keep putting on that old coat that's been dragging you down. No, you just need to close the door on your past. Now, you can't close the door on your past until you're sure that you're forgiven. You cannot close the door on your past until you know that your sins are under the blood of Christ. But the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit when you're forgiven. I love this verse. It's really what Christmas is all about. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. I love this. Old things are passed away. You don't have to live in yesterday. You don't have to live in yesterday. Praise God. You can live in today. But it goes on the rest of that verse. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All old things are passed away. And get this. All things have become new. You know, when, you, when, when, when you're forgiven, when you're no longer estranged from God, when you're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, you're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, guess what? All things have become new. You get new friends. And they're, they're more than friends. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, all things have become new. New friends. In fact, you get a new family. A new family. The family of God. The family of God. All things have become new. You've got a new direction in the way that you're going. You used to be going this way, sinning, alienated from God, and going doing your own thing. But now, no. Now, you're going in a new direction, and you want to please God, and you want to glorify Him, and your desire is to do His will. You see, old things are passed away, and all things. New friends, a new family, a new purpose, a new power, the power of the Holy Spirit. All things have become new. Man, a new heart. Wow. You can't, you can't fake that. You can't, you can't work it up. But I want to say this. God came in that manger to reconcile you to himself. And if you'll come to Jesus... In repentance of your sin, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I desire with all my heart to change, but I cannot change myself. But I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I ask your forgiveness, and I will follow you the rest of my life. And you, can't, you say, well, I can't do that. I know you can't in your own power. 
There's a great verse. Romans 10, 9 through 13. And it says, let's look at it. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The next time the devil tries to condemn you, or tries to tell you you'll never be changed, just remember how much God loves you. And just remember that little poem. I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. There is. It's called Christmas. It's called the cross. It's called the resurrection. Where all my heartaches and all my mistakes and all my sin could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. Woo. I tell you what, folks. There's nothing like being saved. Amen? I'm telling you. My soul, if I could get saved twice, I'd get saved twice. I'm telling you. It is wonderful to be in Christ. Because, you know, I mess up sometimes. In fact, I messed up this morning. But you know what? I asked God to forgive me. Guess what? He forgave me. He, I just agreed with him that I shouldn't have had that attitude. And he just said, I said, you know, it's already been paid for. It's already under the blood of my son. So just don't think now. Well, Brother, Brother Fred said, if I get saved, I'm going to be perfect. I did not say that. But I said, you are going to be changed. And you're going to have a new purpose and a new life. And remember, it's not too late. You can begin again. You can start over. And this could be the new beginning of the rest of your life. If you just allow God to do it in your heart. Would you pray with me?